Miles, how are you doing? I'm sore after that nice workout you just ran me through. Hey, that was awesome. I felt like I was going to explode using the lightest possible weights I've ever lifted. So we were doing something right. Um, that's a good. That's a good way to start the day. Absolutely. Um, so you you brought up a a topic of male depression uh, to talk about today, which is a huge downer. But uh, might as well start there. <laughs> might as well start there uh, because uh, it's it's in the it's topical. You know, uh, mental health for men is making the circuit in terms of you know the health outcomes for men being down across the board, mm-hmm. whether it's um, you know, employment statistics or um, uh, uh, length of life, um, quality of life, and a lot of metrics around just any, you know, any measure of success in the modern age. So um, I'd love to talk about it. In fact, you turned me on to a book called I Don't Want to Talk About It, um, which was about male depression. Classic book. And um, so you've got some, you've got some insight and some experience with, uh, uh, how male depression differs than female depression or maybe general depression. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, like, um, and did you, when it comes to that, or well, I'm going pretty fast here. I'll let you talk about, it's all good. um, what, what you got from it, whether or not you could relate, you know, in your experience with your mental health and in the content of the book and, uh, what you think about this you know, epidemic we're, we're, we're going through right now. Yeah, it's it's a doozy. Uh, I mean, it's probably been been with us forever. I mean, depression's probably uh, a survival adaptation of some sort, but we have so many confounding factors. You know, you have to take the biological versus the psychosocial when it comes to depression. Um, that book, from Mr. Nice Guys, depression is just one aspect of that book. That book is about caretaking and codependency and all kinds of other issues, not getting your needs met, um, childhood trauma, blah blah. It's very good, um, and of course, depression is one of the themes. Uh, and how is male depression and female depression versus anyone's depression? That's a tricky one to answer, but I think guys were taught to not express emotion, right? We're damned if we do, damned if we don't. That's kind of towards the numbers and nice guys. This is from the book? This is from my experience, from my learning in this field, um, in my PhD program, master's degree program, um, and personal experience. Uh, and it, 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 he does talk about this in the book, um, where guys have these needs, we have needs that want to be met. Um, and when we go through childhood trauma, sometimes we're told those needs are too much, um, and we kind of stuff them down and act like nice guys in order to be seen. Um, so we, we bury our needs thinking they're too big, and then uh, that's just gotta go somewhere. <laughs> So it causes a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of times it's uh, denied or repressed anger comes out that way. It's anger towards inward. Sometimes people say that. Um, but you also do have to factor in the, the biochemical aspect. Like sometimes it's a neurochemical issue. Maybe you have uh, a dopamine serotonin issue going on. Sometimes low testosterone. That's a big one these days. Uh, you know, chronic porn use, that's another one that can cause it. Addictions can cause well, it. Well, you know, like, is this chicken or the egg? Because um, you hit right what I was going to, you know, ask you about, which is, like, the, um, if you were, you know, raised in an environment where your needs are inconvenient for your caretakers and it would be better if you didn't have those needs, mm-hmm. 
and you're disincentivizing expression Correct. and vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And so, like, do if you're, you know, I, I I have a feeling that the behavior of subverting your own um, humanity, you know, just your your simple human needs and your whether they're emotional, or physical, or whatever they are. I think that like if you start subverting that pretty pretty young, then um, that's going to create um, you know a sort of like a domino effect that you're going to experience later on. Mm-hmm. Is like you said, you know, anger issues or um, addiction, mm-hmm. um, compulsive behavior, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, is that sound right, or that is not related at all? Well, always related. It's chicken and eggs, good way to put it. But sometimes we ha- sometimes we have to figure out. Is it psychosocial stress kind of things, trauma, or is it neurobiological? Sometimes if you get your sleep right, you get your testosterone right, you start working out, uh, that it goes away. You feel better. Um, and the, the things you rub up against in life that are hard get manageable. Sure. So when I see patients these days, I'm, I'm always asking about this stuff. You know, For women, someone's like, hey, have you had your thyroid checked? Oh, no, I haven't. Like, let's talk to your PCP and let's get that checked because sometimes that can cause depression. They get that checked and like, oh, I feel better. And now I can more easily manage the psychological stuff I came here to work with. Mm-hmm. So if we can get the body sorted, then it's much easier to work with the psychosocial stuff. If not, it's like gas in the fire. So we, we, you can work both things at the same time. And to figure out the chicken or the egg, sometimes it's hard. So you've got to work on both is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, like... You're, you're in a, a pattern of behavior that creates a neurological or an endocrine or, you know, biofeedback loop, right? You know, so if you stay up all night, you're going to, you know, be sideways the next mm. day. And then when you're sideways the next day, you're going to make bad decisions yes. around like food and alcohol and relationships. You know, relationships. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to, you know, screw up your, you know, neuro, bio, neurobiochemistry or your, your chemistry, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> neurobiochemistry. I, I lift weights. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't quote uh, or, uh, or make up science science quotes during the day. But um, <laughs> but the but the chicken or the egg or the one hand washes the other is the way I like to put it. It's mm-hmm. like if you have a, a muscle imbalance that creates a, a altered joint mechanics, and that altered joint mechanics creates a weak some weak tissue, and that weak tissue gets torn. Now. You have to. You're gonna to have to fix all those things, but you you have a you have a, you have a torn calf, or you have a sprained Achilles, or you have a whatever. So you have to deal with the injury, the superficial injury, and you have to go back and relearn and reeducate that joint mm-hmm. to be able to function properly. Mm-hmm. And that can all happen at the same time. That can be one or two interventions, or those each could be steps depending on the severity of it and what what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's. Um, any of the, you, you know, and, and it can go backwards. The injury can cause a, an altered joint mechanic, right? Which can call muscle imbalance. So you, so you can go up, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise around the circle, but you have to, you have to stop the cycle some point and you have to interdict and create reverse momentum on all those things mm-hmm. to, to, to get the symptoms to stop mm-hmm. and to get to improve the function of the whole. Stopping the cycle. That, yeah, that, that fits the metaphor. Yeah. Get off the merry-go-round, basically, somehow. So um, what are the, one of the common mistakes that you see people make, men make, um, when it comes to confronting their own depression or mm-hmm. you know, hearing about 
the people in their family that are depressed? My mind went right to addictions. Uh, you know, the, the, the good band-aid that we all use, because the problem with addictions is they freaking work, like, acutely. <laughs> the pain goes away for a hot minute, but then in the shadows, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now you got a bigger behemoth to deal with, and that's another big merry-go-round, because you're trying to now up the dose of whatever the substance or the behavior is to get the same desired effect, and now you have a big monster to deal with. Now you feel even more depressed, now you start beating yourself up, uh, and on you go down that rabbit hole. Um, sleep, yeah, sleep is another big one. We can't regulate our emotions well. If we don't sleep, that gets all thrown out of whack. Uh, if you, you can't, you can't run away, you can't repress or obsess on your feelings, that's another one. Like you don't want to go, la 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 la, I don't, I don't have any problems, I'm going to drink them away, I'm just going to go on Xbox, or I'm just going to like shove it down. Like you can do that acutely, yes, but long term, that's called compartmentalization. Most men know what that is. <laughs> yeah, ask men like, what's compartmentalization? And they kind of know right away. That works, you know, like say you're in combat and your, your buddy gets shot, you can't fall apart right there, you got to get off the X, keep going. But later you have to open up the compartment or it's just gonna bleed into the other compartments and come out in a 14th over compartment in some weird ass way. You're like, why the hell is this behavior happening? Oh, it's because of this one thing I have not been addressing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I um, I didn't know what that was, hmm. um, compartmentalization. And uh, obviously, you know, the, the military coaches you to um, be to, to be able to do that. Hundred yeah. percent, and um, it's necessary in the battlefield. I remember, I remember a, a chaplain giving a speech to to us when we were um, in theater, and and the, uh, the the speech was something to the effect of, "Hey, you know, you're gonna get phone calls and you're gonna get letters, and you know, people's lives are changing because you're not there," mm -hmm. and. You have to under you have to hear all that, and you just and you had the sweeping gesture where he took like you're kind of clearing off a cluttered table and like pushing all the silverware mm -hmm. to the side. Mm -hmm. He's like, I need you to just move that aside mm -hmm. and just keep it there for a second. For a second. And Key, and keyword <laughs> and focus on what we're doing. Yeah, that's true. And then um, and then when we were on our way to leave uh, to to go on, you know. Uh, R and R, which is like a little break in the action. If you're mm -hmm. there for you know six months or a year, um, at the time I think you got a R and R break f between four and six months into your deployment, and they got a speech, a different speech, which was when you go to get picked up from the airport, you might you might have someone pick you up from the airport with a six pack of beer <laughs> in a bikini, <laughs> saying I've been waiting for you. <laughs> And you might be greeted with somebody who has their own shit to deal with because you're not there. Or nobody. Or no one. Right. And then uh, the, the message was like, now you have to deal with all that stuff that yes. you were putting aside. Great and, and, um, and I thought it was a very good speech for mm -hmm. people who thought they were probably going to Mardi Gras. And, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> instead, of, instead of what is much more realistic, which is a check-in mm -hmm. you know, with your, the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Welcomes back. So, um, the, you know, the mistake is compartmentalization. The mistake is just not addressing it. Yeah. Or obsessing like too much. Like sometimes you should use compartmentalization. If you're stuck in a pit, you're having intrusive thoughts, you're ruminating, 
that move's actually okay. Like, hey, go help someone else get out of self, go for a walk, get out of your fucking house. Like, environment, environmental cues are huge. If you're in the same environment that triggers the same depressive thoughts, get out of it. Do something different, break it up. You can sort of compartmentalize that way for a moment. That's on the other end of the spectrum. You want to be somewhere in the middle often. You know, my, my own therapist calls it turning towards the parts, you know, the internal family systems. Feel them. Feel the pain. What is, what is this symptom trying to tell me? We always try to destroy the symptom in our culture rather than like, well, what is it trying to tell me? You know, thoughts and feelings aren't 100% accurate, but they're truths to information. So turn towards them. And you have to know if that's obsessing or, or repressing. You have to know what the difference so, is. So we'll talk about the middle road because obviously that's the answer. Yeah. But the, let's talk about why people make these mistakes. And this is so classical. It's counterintuitive, right? When we're depressed, we say things to ourselves like, uh, I don't want to bother my friends right now because I'm Debbie Downer. Like, um, I am, I don't, um, I had a, a friend who is a great example for actual, actually a great example for emotional health, but he was going through a big transition in his life and he's, you know, he was f- saying, to, he said to me out loud, I don't feel like I have a community. Mm, and yeah. and um, he had one back home where he um, raised his kids, and, and, uh, but he didn't feel like he had one you know, where he, in, in his new life. And uh, it, was so, it was so nice to hear that articulated directly. And, um, and I, I was impressed because I hadn't heard somebody express so vulnerable and honestly about what they were going through. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, that's, the, that's the, the medicine, right? That is the medicine. You just face it. It's counterintuitive to reach out to the people when you're feeling that way mm-hmm. and not reach out for them to distract you, mm-hmm. but reach out and be, to, for them to, to just share, mm-hmm. share what's really going on. That's a counterintuitive piece, physical activity, because when you're tired and you feel like trash, why do you want to go? The last thing you want to do is like go out and go outside and be yeah. cold and be in the sunlight. Low energy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and um, so changing your physical state, you know, connecting with other people, helping, you know, Get contributing to something. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all, and it's counterintuitive because, you know, you don't want to move. You don't want to do anything. What feels right is to eat a jelly donut and watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Although, let's be honest. What, what, so I think what, what happens to me if I indulge, so let's say I indulge in that and I like, you know, order a pizza or uh, buy some junk food and, and watch a movie, I will enjoy it for about 55 minutes. Yeah, and before the movie's over, I'm cute. ready to be done. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, cute. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sometimes yeah, yeah. we don't do as good as you just did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the, you know, I don't think, I don't think, I think it's okay to have a breakdown in discipline. <laughs> yeah, a cheat day or a rest day. Yeah, yeah it's good. Um, and I, I, I think back to the counterintuitive piece, I think that some people beat themselves up for not wanting to go to the gym and not wanting to start the project or yeah. do whatever. And it's like, maybe, maybe the, God forbid you actually, like you said, need, need a rest day, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing to be able to do. Um, then you beat yourself up for not doing it too, which causes more depression. I've also a sneaking suspicion that this is a modern day 
exacerbation of a problem of depression. I think historically we had like dudes would sit around the fire, talk about the hunt, talk about their wives or whatever, and they'd process, you know, and they had that connection and support. It was just ready made. Now we like don't even talk to our neighbors. Like no wonder we feel so isolated and depressed. We feel like we're going to be a burden. Like how many times does someone hit you up and like just being open and like you said, I don't want to talk to you. Like, no one's doing that. And if they're doing that, that's not a good friend. Like, <laughs> every guy gets it and they actually appreciate you sharing. And then if they're sharing, then well, you might share back and then you're connecting and going deeper and having a conversation of depth and that can start the healing process. You're not isolating you. So I think it's a modern day problem on top of this. So basically, when you're, uh, if you follow your, what feels right, you isolate, you numb, and you avoid. Yeah. And if you actually do the counterintuitive, you take the middle road, um, and you face your, you, you face what you're dealing with, you are, it's over faster. Mm-hmm. You're, well, it's not over. But you ameliorate the feelings of loneliness or unworthiness or or whatever's bothering you. You you meet you ameliorate those feelings a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And it's still real, but you like that's like you peel a layer yeah. of, of the onion of grief. Correct. Yeah, grief's not the <laughs> cause of depression for sure. And um, and I think like man, the the people. There's people in my life who prioritize their feelings and, and I'm not joking. They, this is going to sound like a cartoon when I say it out loud, but I have people in my life that are very close to me that when, when we go to make plans, they'll say, well, we'll have to see what I'm feeling. I don't know if I'll be able to be there mm. when I say, or mm. we know in the schedule and, and it, it, I laugh, which to me, I, that means no. And I don't put anything in my calendar because I am a, I have high executive function, right? <laughs> because, because what's in my calendar is what's happening and right. in my life, yeah, you better, know, better barring, barring a hurricane. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, but there are people in my life who it is up in the air mm-hmm. and their feelings are going to guide everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a trap. Their life, their life is a reflection of that. Their health is a reflection of that. Their, um, their finances are a reflection of that. Their relationships are a reflection of that being driven by feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, that identity, I mean, I, like, you know, I, I, we can call that person, you know, Eddie the emo, or we can call <laughs> that, or what I call them is a loser. Like, ah. you're a loser if, you're, if your job, you only get to keep your job if you feel like it. You only get to keep your, you know, relationships if you feel like it, you know, it's like, it's like that, that means your feelings are making your whole life mm-hmm. and, and your discomfort, realistically, your discomfort and your fear is mm-hmm. guiding your life. Yeah. And, um, and that's, uh, it sounds harsh, but I've, I've watched these people, I've watched their lives evolve over 40 years and it doesn't go well, audience. It doesn't go well if, if it's, if it's based on your feelings. Now your feelings, your emotions give you important messages. Right. But uh, I, I just, uh, I just am fired up. I don't think anybody's emotions are telling them to be homeless. Correct. Yeah, they're they're not one hundred percent accurate. Nor are your thoughts. Nor should you ever identify with your thoughts or feelings or your host. It's like identifying with your politics, right? Identifying with your, you, you, identifying with your thoughts and feelings in politics. Exactly right. 
And what was told to me and my family was, oh, we have depression. Everyone in our family has, has depression. Mm-hmm. So we're just, you know, that's, that's just, just the way we are. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And that cracks me up. And it's like, uh, I have panic attacks. If I, if I, I have a, a lot of anxiety and if I don't manage it, it turns into panic attacks. Sure. And, um, and I, of course I've had depression. Everybody who's lived through life is going to have some depression. Oh yeah. Um, so, so that's all part of it. But I, th- I think the piece that the piece that I was decoupled from is the identification mm-hmm. um, over identifying with it. It's like I'm I can manage anxiety, I can manage depression, and that doesn't mean I'm a rock star all the time. Absolutely not. But I I have the compa- the self compassion to mm. make commitments that I can stick to regardless of how I feel. That you said something great, self compassion. <laughs> yes, I said a lot, great Miles. <laughs> Um, we should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. Exactly right. So the unwanted identity, um, I, I think it's unwanted identification with these things. Um, like you said, it shouldn't be your your way of life. Shouldn't be. Um, what's the new thing? Neurodivergent. Mm. Like you know, we could say as a neurodivergent person, I am like, hey, you can you can have whatever uh, variance or deviance from totally. the standard. You want deviation, yeah, yeah, and that's okay. But you don't have to be I wouldn't identify as a neurodivergent person. Yeah, if, if you victimize yourself, yeah, or, or identify as like your Myers Briggs typology, right? Oh, sure. I, I don't, I like that person who you can never make plans. I'm a J. I have to, I have to have strict plans. I can't be spontaneous. Like, oh, bullshit! You can, you can work that. Now, I, I think like you can, you can simply to get just a little bit of per- distance from the personification of that. You could just say. A personalization of it you could just say i'm a member of the veteran community i'm a member yeah. of the neurodivergent I've, i have yeah. as a tbi as a you know as somebody who's been a victim of tbi multiple times something like this yeah so so you can say that's been my experience or i've experienced these things but it's not frozen in time yeah it's not nominal the word for that is nominalization ah, ah, big words big words huge <laughs> words today nominalization so that's not that's not who we are Correct. Yeah, it's easy to do that. And if you ask your limbic feeling brain if you want to do something that's hard, what do you think it's going to say? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's always no. 100% of the time, it wants to just feel good. And whatever it perceives as good, it's going to do. So there's the avoidance piece. There's the addiction piece. Things like this. So um, the, the way the counterintuitive process is to... If I'm feeling, here's, here's a literal tactic that I use uh, when I'm f- faced with something like, like serious grief. Like uh, my grandfather died 10 years ago and it just really shocked me. And uh, I just sat, you know, and, and grieved for a couple of days. And one of the things I said to myself, like within a day or two, I was like, I need to tell somebody or I'm not going to tell anybody for a long time. Ooh, good insight. And so I just, I picked up my phone. I texted one person and I sent him a text saying, Hey, I'm dealing with a death in the family. And he called me immediately, mm-hmm. you know, and, good friend. and yeah, great friend. And that made it real. And that made it a part of the conversation that I wasn't afraid of to start anymore. What would have happened if you would have? not called and kept it in for a long time. Well, if you didn't do that, I mean, a lot of people do that. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the takeaway. All the people, all the stellar people in your life 
you, you give them a wound because they what you're saying to them is I care too much about how you perceive me right I, I care too much about seeming like I have everything together Ego. to be vulnerable Ego. and so you, you you create a distance and so you wound all your close personal relationships because you can't share mm -hmm. that part of you mm -hmm. and you wound yourself because you build another brick into that story about how no one gets me and mm -hmm. I'm I'm somebody who is beyond help and depressed yeah it's either too significant of an ego or insig too insignificant or mm -hmm. whatever your source of narrative is yeah whatever your narrative is so it hurts the people around you it hurts you it hurts me you know it would have hurt me and then mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I had learned that lesson enough times to, to, to share that. And I'm so grateful that I did. So my new rule is if I experience a loss, I text one or two or three people. So if I'm working with a, a important client and they, um, and, and I lose them or they fire me or, or the, you know, the, 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 the project ends, I, I reach out to another coach who's, you know, had similar experience, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I say, Hey man, I just, you know, had to say goodbye to somebody I really enjoyed working with mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, I, I, I did a launch and it didn't go well. I didn't get anybody to sign up for my program. And then, you know, which is, if you've, you know, been, been in business, you'll have people not, that don't like you. You have people, you have thing offers that don't go well and and that's part of it, but it connects you. The, mm -hmm. the mistakes, are what humanize you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and build. So that's my new process is I, I like text three, text, text up to three people and that, that starts to get rid of the, or speed up the grieving process. So pain shared, pain divided statement. Yeah. And Tom, Tom Bilyeu. Great podcast. Uh, Bilyeu? Bilyeu? Bilyeu. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Um, he says, he has a quote, I'm sure he's got thousands of really great quotes, he but does. one of my favorite is, your success will be directly correlated to the half-life of your negative emotions. Hmm. Yeah, some, some truth there. So the, that is to say, the longer you hold on to your garbage and carry around your baggage, the slower you're going to move and the harder it is going to be for you to succeed. And that's always been true in my book. There's that negative feedback too. Then you're more depressed. That's right. That's right. So and anxious. Th that's my, and that, that's my strategy for tackling it head on. Um, because if you, if I, if I'm addressing the things that are bothering me head on, that doesn't snowball into things where, um, I feel like I have to numb and avoid them. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and some things are, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think there's two kinds of, negative trauma there's freight trains and earthquakes and freight trains come through fast and are gone like a death in the family or a um, you know or shopping a short-term thing and then earthquakes where they change this they change the lay of the land like covid is an earthquake yes you know mm -hmm. your community will not be the same mm -hmm. You know, a, a divorce is an earthquake. Mm. You know, your your mm. your family will not be the same. Mm. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It just means it will not be the same. And the structure that you have created is going to be gone, and you have to create a new one. Mm. So there's earthquakes and, and freight trains, and the um, being able to 
lean into those makes makes the dealing with them less difficult. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think COVID created so many alcoholics was because we were so isolated. And divorces. Yeah. People on top of each other, they probably might not have got divorced. But now that you're living with that person forever, so... Oh my God, this is what you sound like? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I can't escape to the office for eight hours. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I think that's the path of the warrior is to just confront whatever mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. Whatever's in front of you, you takes, deal with. It takes courage. And what is, what is courage? Acting in spite of fear is another definition. Or bravery. Bravery is acting in spite of fear, and then it's a courageous act. Something like this. You, you feel the fear, but you do something anyways. And you don't have to have that courage beforehand. It actually confirms that you're courageous by being brave. Acting, daring greatly, Brene Brown. Then, then you, after you're, you've done the act, you go, oh, I guess I'm a courageous person because I did it. People, this is a whole other, this is a whole other side back, the, the side, side uh, podcast episode, but people treat you differently based on the context, right? And, and so if you're actually confronting your shit, people treat, it's like, that's like the Viking mentality. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. if you face something head on, you immediately have respect by everybody in the clan. It doesn't matter whether you win. If you just don't run, you're, everyone gets it. Everyone gets that you did your best. Yeah, your wounds are not on your back. That's on the front. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my buddy and I started a boxing ring when we were in Roseburg, Oregon. And we would um, do these random fights in, in different you know parks and people's houses and things like that. And um, I, I remember I fought this guy who outweighed me by like... 50 pounds he was like in his 20s and uh nobody he couldn't get anybody to match up with him and so i was kind of running this ring or, or organizing this ring fight club yeah fight club and so i went like one round someone had a watch and we did like i was like okay i'll give you three minutes you know or whatever and this dude was big and he was swinging and swinging and i was ducking and moving and um trying my best to not get knocked out tired him out and uh, didn't know he knocked me out. Like he, <laughs> he like like he he hit me. I blocked it. I guarded it, and it still okay. like punched through the guard cool. and just dude. Somebody who outweighs you by yeah. you know, twenty has got you. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. And I also didn't have the best technique. So I even though I tried to block it, I about I, I got a. I mean I don't know if I got a concussion, but he flattened me, and everybody gave me a standing ovation when I stood up because. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they're like, that's, that's amazing you even took that. Yeah, you don't know in the ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and um, um, what, a, what a great, uh, great sort of, you know, note to end on. It's like, if you confront your grief or your depression, you do, it doesn't mean you win. It doesn't mean like it goes away. Mm. It just means that you change the narrative. Mm. And now the narrative is like, it's okay. You're living with it. Mm. Like, I'm... I'm feeling depressed right now because I lost someone close to me or a, a relationship or a, you know, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't invested enough energy in myself to have that self-respect right now that I want. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, and it doesn't mean it's going to go away tomorrow, but then the narrative changes when you start to act into yeah, it. It breaks down the old one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. yeah. Even if it takes getting knocked up. I mean, it will feel like you got knocked up probably. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if you and you're lying to yourself, if you win every, if you think you win every bout of cognitive dissonance and every, if you win every internal conflict you, you have, then you know you're it's a. Not, you're either you have a short memory. Yeah. 
Maybe too many TBIs. <laughs> too many TBIs, yeah. <laughs> or you have narcissism or megalomania. Although I'm pretty sure you're aware that <laughs> something's not right. It's, it's a, that's an overcompensation. That's right. So um, when it comes to you know male depression, I, you know we should have led with this, but is this something you've confronted in your life? Depression? Oh, over and over and over and over and over. Still continuing to do so. Yeah, I think I have the lovely fortune of having the both the neurochemical aspect and the definitely had the adverse uh, childhood experience aspect, trauma aspect. Um, getting the body dialed, sleep dialed, health dialed. It, it tr helps tremendously. And then it's, it's a lot easier to work on the, the psychosocial, going to therapy, getting coaching, whatever it is that you need to do. Do men's groups, have friendships. Uh, I mean, I think this is probably why 12-step programs work so well. It's yeah. just the pure accountability. Yeah, I mean, the, the 12 steps themselves, anybody could do and get something out of. You can leave the religious stuff in or out if you want. But if you do those 12 steps, even if you don't have an addiction, you're gonna be a better human. But just having that pure support group you know, men and women, men and men, women and women, doesn't matter. Uh, just to talk, just to get it out, just to process. That's, you're facing, like the Viking, you're facing the, the other warriors. You're right there. The wounds are on your face now. You're not running and ducking. You didn't die and stab in the back. And that's what you do when you go for addictions. That's what you do when you go for the Xbox, go for porn. You're, you're, someone finds you dead and your wounds are on your fucking back. Like you didn't stand to that, you ran from that. Yeah. And that's, um, that, that's, that's it. Like, you know, I think that there's a danger in, um, there's a false nobility in like keeping things to yourself and, right. uh, keep keeping the attention off you, mm -hmm. which, uh, first of all, at this day and age, if you are someone who avoids attention, good, good job. You made it pretty far. <laughs> Sometimes that's okay. <laughs> but but the quality of attention is important. Yeah. And your the reason the reason for you embracing your relationships mm -hmm. and creating those positive relationships mm -hmm. is so that you can help each other through this hard hard part of being human. Yeah, you don't want to go the other way and be a burden and say, Do my feelings for me. You know, that's kind of what the number no Mr. Nice Guy book talks about, like finding a partner that will do your emotions for you. But that's that's a no no go. Then they feel like your mom and then your relationship's hosed. But it's uh, telling them what's going inside you and then what you think you're gonna do about it. Dang, uh, I love it, I, I love it. So the books are the most, well, 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 give, me, give me the books and the authors that you would really like for this topic. For depression, uh, well, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I think it's Ronald Glover, Donald Glover, sorry, Mr. Glover. Uh, your book's amazing, but I always get mixed up with Danny Glover, the actor, because my brains. I've had some to you guys too. Uh, and then Man Talks by Connor Beaton, very, very good. And then uh, there's a classic one, um, I Don't Want to Talk About It by Terrence Real, I believe his name is. It's in, written in the 90s, that's a good one on male depression. Um, I mean, there's so many. Uh, I, if we were in my office now, I could just pull off 10, but we're in the gym today. Uh, those three are good starters. Um, yeah, I don't know if what have you found that's good. Um, for depression, um, or anything adjacent to this conversation. You mentioned a good journaling one the other day about changing narratives. That was good. Yeah. Um, Tim Moore. Oh, Jim Lehrer, the Lair. Power of Story. That one. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a that's a, a very good book for understanding your what effing <laughs> narrative you're in. Like, what are you? What's the story you're telling yourself about yourself? Mm-hmm. And um, the it's difficult. It was difficult work. It's difficult work to like actually stop for a second and describe the wallpaper of your life because the beliefs that we have, we don't question anymore because we think that's just reality. Mm-hmm. When in reality, <laughs> your beliefs can change just like you can change your philosophy. Mm-hmm. And Our your best. life is really just a reflection of your beliefs. And um, that is like painful if your life is going really shitty, um, but kind of obvious once you start to write out your story and you see what your rules are about being you. Mm-hmm. Because if your rule is I'm only worthy of love if I'm helping someone, I'm only worthy of love if I'm providing value, I'm only worthy of love if I'm, you know, if I take no days off or if, if I'm, you know, we have all these rules and, and they're unconscious and they're actually difficult to describe. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if you actually write out what your story is about who you are, I mean, I was, maybe I'll, maybe I'll read mine. It's like scary. It's, it's scary. That's, 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 I should read it. It's like bizarre and, um, and also intuitive. Like you would get totally get that the way I grew up. Like my story was, the highlights were like my story that I was this burden on all my, all my, all the people in my life, uh, because I was going around couch surfing, you know, uh, living, you know, in place to place and, that uh, I was unwanted, essentially. And you totally get that by the way that I grew up. But um, that's not true. Because everybody wanted to hang out with me. So <laughs> I was this huge... I was America's guest. I was a blessing. Yeah. There were, I still get phone calls. Hey, why don't you come down and stay with me and eat all my food? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Power of Story, it's a, it's a good one. And uh, addressing and li- looking at these beliefs and what they are, um, which is kind of what... What we're, we'll be doing this podcast is getting into beliefs and like why why we make the mistakes that we're making and how we show up as men and how we how that doesn't help people and hopefully we can do something different. Heck yeah! Well, awesome, Miles. Thanks for thanks for the chat. Great great kickoff conversation. Male depression. So if you're listening to this, you're not alone. You can do stuff about it. Don't make the mistake. Don't isolate. Reach out. Uh, you can, uh, yeah, we don't have any resources. Let's put some resources in the show notes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Basically find friends, find groups of men and women, just people to connect with, talk to, get out of self, go help people. Just do something different. It, it, no matter how small, get out of the environment, get out of your house. Bang. Get out there. All right, man. Thanks miles. Yep. We're out. <laughs>